Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zerl. With me, as always, is professional film critic Sean Patrick and Jeff Lasseter. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, IHateCritics.com. We're on Facebook, uh, X, Instagram. Our handle is CriticsPod, still correct? We haven't changed that yet. <laughs> Not to hint at anything <laughs> coming. Uh <laughs> <clears throat> We are on Patreon, patreon.com slash criticspod, the best way to help support the podcast. We also have uh, merch over at TeePublic. If you go to IHateCritics.net, click on the TeePublic merch up in the right-hand corner. Uh, you can listen to the podcast at all your podcatchers, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Alexa, all that. Uh, but please go to Apple, subscribe to the show, rate review the show. We'll read your reviews on the air. And if we don't read it on the air, send us a message on Facebook or one of our other social media platforms and let us know we missed it. Uh, it's episode 590. What have we got in the news this week? Oh, uh, you know, the interest, the box office was kind of interesting over the weekend. Of course, the nun was number one. That was pretty well expected. Everybody figured, you know, that would be the number one movie. But uh, the thing that I think caught, catches a lot of people off guard this week is an Indian movie that managed to crack the top te- uh, top five uh, which i mean there's a lot of you know uh india releases uh, releases of film from india especially around our area and uh the uh they they don't normally you know make it to the top five but a movie called jawan uh did over 6.5 million dollars over the weekend uh showing actually a bit of a crossover appeal uh i don't know anything about it i wasn't aware of it until i saw until i was just putting together my usual box office post on our on our Facebook page, which we do every week, there's a every week there's a box office post to you know to give people an idea of what's what's been happening because you know I, I find the box office is interesting anyway, and uh, I was surprised I've, I came in at number four, uh, six point one million dollars, just ahead of Barbie at number five, and right behind uh, my big fat Greek wedding three, and again this doesn't happen normally. Yeah, all I know is last night when I went to see the Nun. Too, um, mm-hmm. it everybody was there to see that movie, Joan. Wow. Ah, well, it's a, I mean, it's a that's a great success, and congratulations to them. Uh, my big fat Greek wedding, not so much of a success. Uh, Ten million dollars over the weekend. Uh, probably not going to make a profit. They say with the with the uh, with the marketing, it probably around it needed to make around more than fifty two million dollars to be profitable and uh, off a $10 million opening weekend with little appeal overseas. I don't see that happening. Um, this will hopefully God willing, this will be the end of that God awful franchise. Oh, in uh, 20 years, they'll make another one. <laughs> 20 years. Most of that cast will be dead. <laughs> Here's hoping except for Andrea Martin. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that so that movie didn't do very well. The Equalizer dropped sixty five percent over the weekend, which was uh, it, it's already profitable, so they're not too worried about it. They could probably drop it on streaming next week, uh, streaming rental next week, and you know, make it really, really profitable. Uh, so that that do may you, be happening. Do you think that's because people realized it wasn't Queen Latifah? <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. Uh, but the Nun too, thirty two point six million dollars, and uh, it's already incredibly profitable. Uh, the the cost was around twenty five millions. They they do a great job with the, the economics on these movies, and 
Uh, it's already made over 80 million worldwide. Wow. But is it any good? Well, we, go we can to the, talk about that. We, do that last? <laughs> <laughs> we are dedicating this episode to the entire Conjuring universe. Uh, so we yeah. can start at the beginning or we... let's start at the beginning. Let's go back to 2013 and the uh, start of the uh, Conjuring franchise with director uh, James Wan uh, picking up uh, a brand new franchise after having, you know, made the uh, after having you know created the Saw franchise and you know, inspiring numerous uh, other horror franchises with his incredible work, uh, James Wan uh, entered into the Ghost Demon franchise world, uh, picking up the stories of Ed and Lorraine Warren, uh, played by Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson, and uh, they telling the story of the the Perrin family is the real name of the family. I'm not sure what they're called in the movie, but uh, they basically they bought this farmhouse and it's haunted and it's possessed by like multiple different demons i think i'm not sure james wan is way too good a director for this <laughs> he's like an incredible <laughs> director and there's so many great shots and moments in this movie that i'm just so impressed by that it really watching it again this time i was just i was really surprised by how much i just enjoy his direction i shouldn't be surprised because like i said he directed saw uh he's directed you know everything he's directed he's been great at uh, so it's no surprise that the, the direction is really great. It's just, I wish he hadn't hat latched himself to these people. Uh, it's really just the Warrens that are just the biggest <laughs> problem. Uh, these these known con, con artists, too. Uh, <laughs> I had to get that in there early, Bob. <laughs> I do got a question for you. Do you think there's at all a possibility they truly, and I probably should wait for Jeff to get back to ask this, but that they, do you believe that they know what they're doing is fake or do you think they believe in it i think they absolutely are aware what they do is fake absolutely because it's their entire business they built an entire business around this uh they have to uh they have to make it seem as real as possible uh it's their entire livelihood (laughs) the only way they made money off of this stuff was writing books Uh, and they wrote horror books specifically because they were they were something that could sell uh, and you know, by making them based on a true story, you know, they could they could uh, set them apart from you know other horror books. But realistically, they hired horror writers to help them write them. I mean, <laughs> that alone should tell you uh, the level of bullshit that we're dealing with here. These are con artists. These are people who are out to make a buck, uh, and they used people's actual you know fears and beliefs to to sell that. Uh, the family that that was involved in the Conjuring. I mean, I don't know anything about the parents. I, I'm, I doubt. I don't. Obviously, they. I don't believe they were haunted in any way. I think they were probably just dealing with a mentally ill child, and you know, had a couple of con artists show up at their door who said, "Hey, we, your child's not mentally ill. It's just it's what we tell you it is." <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they, the real story is they didn't actually help these this family at all. <laughs> they were kicked out after a couple of days in the real story, and they. And the Perrin family never spoke to them again. Uh, that's the true story of the Perrin family is that after a couple of days of Ed and Lorraine being there and seemingly helped them, helping them get rid of one of the ghosts, they booted him out of there and never spoke to them again. <laughs> well, not according to The Conjuring 3. They just got a letter from the parents. I was probably like, yeah, it's a hate letter. <laughs> no, I think that they actually, I think they have... 
as it happens, like so much, and you can see it happen in real time now with the internet, they latched onto an idea that was kind of in their head that, you know, oh, well, I can't explain it. So it must be God or demons or whatever. And I think they went with that and it just grew from there. And they were kind of like believing their own bullshit. Right. That's what I think too. I need and to I think, think that, that because yeah, I, what they did in court <laughs> would be way too evil if it, if they didn't slightly believe it a little bit. Get to we'll get to what they did with Arnie Johnson, uh, which is just uh, is truly just maniacal. But I, I think they're more along the lines of a Ben Shapiro or a, or a Jordan Peterson who start off with an idea uh, that that they think is right, and then suddenly that idea becomes their identity, becomes how they make money. And they've got to do from that going forward to underline that this is my grift. This is how I make my money. Uh, I've got to appeal to my base and tell them what they want to hear. And what my base wants to hear is that ghosts are real and that demonic possession can explain mental illness and drug addiction. So I'm glad you brought that up, Sean, that I wanted to, but I didn't want to like go political right away. But yes, (laughs) the whole like, they are like Ben Shapiro. They have, you know, they have their beliefs and, you know, like I, Ben Shapiro is probably, you know, a mild, moderate Republican when he starts off, you know, he believe, probably believes that, you know, business is good for everybody and blah, blah, blah. But then he sees that he gets engagement and money and attention by saying outrageous shit and, I think he, he, like you said, Jordan, Jordan Peterson have gone so far down that hole, you know, it, and it's like when somebody says, uh, well, I don't think that, you know, trans people should have rights and then they get attacked for it. And they're like, well, they're going to, I'm going to double down on it. And that's just what I'm going to believe. And then they get into that. Well, the only people who are listening to me and liking me are, are this subset of people. And I kind of feel that's with the Warrens is, we believe this we've gotten pushback from these people. So let's go to our people. Let's get in our echo chamber and listen to the people who, yes, it's God. Yes. It's demons. Yes. It's ghosts and it's possession and all that. And well, and the more you get embroiled in these, in a particular way of thinking and with a particular group of people in that echo chamber, it just gets reinforced and reinforced or reinforced. Absolutely. I've seen a, there's a, uh, there's a uh, scale here that goes from like Ben Shapiro to full on Milo Yiannopoulos. <laughs> and I think, and I think this, I think the Warrens start off in sort of the Ben Shapiro thing and end up at Milo where they're just willing to do anything to, to get someone to pay attention to them. And well, that's how they my, end up giving Arnie. Milo's a whore. Yeah. <laughs> Milo is a whore. If yeah. he, if there, if anything, if he could make a buck off of, literally sacrificing children on t- on television because he thought there was an audience for it he would do it that's the scale so, of you you begin at one end and you you kind of drift to the to the middle to the to then to the most extreme where you're you know a, a waterbed infected a child who infected a guy who committed a murder <laughs> get there but, yeah. oh, but i can see how they could get their head stuck in that like like you said it's an echo chamber i can see why they believe that uh, it just doesn't mean it's right. I, I, I don't know. So it's so wrong. It's absolutely completely wrong. Right, but it'd be it's way more wrong if like I'm doing it, <laughs> and, I, and I don't have any belief whatsoever towards it. 
what frustrates me is they didn't even need the warrant. They didn't even need to link it to that. You could buy their yeah. story and pay them off and take their stories and just call them the Wilson family or something. <laughs> you know, just give them any fucking name, and you can and and suddenly you don't have the taint to this. You don't have that that bullshit reputation dragging you down, and you're just making you're making a movie where you in this universe. Demons exist and they're trying to do harm and come through, you know, the walls. Insidious does that. Insidious doesn't need to put itself onto any type of based on a real story bullshit. They created a universe where their demons exist and they have to find some way of dealing with that. And those movies are fantastic. The Conjuring movies could be so very, very good if they didn't latch themselves to this because, like, we live in a time where, where this becomes the reality of who, who the Warrens are. When you go down the rabbit hole and people go, well, oh, the Warrens, they were fantastic heroes who were super attractive. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> no, that was never the case. They looked nothing like these people and they were not heroes in any way. They didn't help anybody. Not a single person. Uh, they, they're, they're the placebo effect uh, for several people, but that's about it. My favorite part of these movies coming out, especially the first one. Because uh, Josh and I, Josh Adams was the co-host at the time, and he and I loved the first one. And Sean, his you weren't as violently against it; you were just kind of quiet, you know. And as more of these movies came out, then you really started to let your Warren hate out. <laughs> movie to movie, got a little worse each time. And then by the third one, it's just uh, I think everybody's on the same page as you. <laughs> by the time we get there. But I, I do love the first one. I think the first one, despite the Warrens being in it, I, I think it's really well made. Uh, I think it's a similar to The Exorcist. I think it's a good drama that just happens to have ghosts in it versus all these other ghost movies that were coming out prior to this that you know were just doing shit for the sake of doing shit. That doesn't happen in this movie like it, like in most other movies. And I, it's not as egregious. I'll say that. It's not as egregious as it's going to get in like the Annabelle movies. Right. And I, I think, really, those movies may pull this movie down. Uh, but I, I think if it was a standalone movie and they never made another one in the universe, uh, I think this movie would uh, be a lot more beloved. I, I, I do think it is beloved, but I think it would be even more so uh, if it was a standalone movie. Certainly lesser by li- being linked to other aspects of this franchise and of course the the main characters of this franchise there are some tracking shots and cinematography in this movie that are just awesome like completely fantastic those the the tracking shots that james wan chooses the way he moves his camera so smoothly through several different rooms and and really sets up that house and how how it sets uh it's really it's really phenomenal that is fantastic stuff i can't say enough good things about him as a director and and Lily Taylor is just giving it everything. She is so invested. Uh, her performance is fantastic. And again, if it weren't for all the bullshit, I would be happy to offer more praise for this movie. Being a religious movie, I don't necessarily find religious horror um, scary. Uh, I feel like that always takes it out a little for me and it's the piousness of elaine and uh uh, ed warren 
as characters in these movies, which I'm sure, you know, because I've, I've listened to Vera Farmiga say, Oh, you know, I got to meet them and they were so nice and blah, blah, blah. And, and I was just like, Oh God, they're, they, they don't have any flaws. They're always the heroes. They, you know, you can't, there's no opposing voice aside from the demons that say, Hey, are you sure these guys don't seem like they're the best people? You know, they're, they're just the, they're, they're what everybody thought um, Ray was in the force awakens. They thought she was a Mary Sue. And that's what these guys are. They can <laughs> never do any wrong. They only do right. They know exactly how to deal with every single demon that comes along from the beginning, you know, and it's like any stumbling block. It's just a, it just pops into their head. And I mean, it's, I noticed that from watching these recently that I'm just like, I love Vera Farmiga. I like Patrick Wilson, especially, I like him much more in the insidious franchise because I think he's just better suited for that. But seeing this couple portrayed in this like fawning way when they were really just grifters, um, it's a big turnoff. And I, like you said, you know, like I'm not, I, I liked everything going up to the point where it was clear that Lily Taylor was possessed because I, again, it, you know, it goes back to the religious horror and that doesn't really always do it for me. So I was like, Oh, it would be cool if it was just a, a ghost story, you know, or a poltergeist or something like that. Um, I do tend to believe in like energy does, you know, energy is never, created or destroyed it just goes on you know and i i don't know if that translates into what happens after you die but i do kind of feel like you you can get a vibe from a place and i kind of feel like that was the way i wanted to go with the first conjuring i didn't want to go with oh the catholic savior thing so yeah, the religious aspect is certainly in a, another part of it. Because what, what what bothers me is that there are, I know a lot of really genuine religious people who really deeply believe they have a deep faith, and I respect that. I do. I respect that a great deal. And then you have people like Ed and Lorraine come along and prey upon that. They prey mm-hmm. upon the genuine feelings of honest people uh, and take advantage of that. And that's where I part ways completely with the Warrens is that, that that is part of their grift. That is part of their con is, is pretending, pretending to be super religious and, you know, to have an understanding with God that you don't have. And that's total crap, total crap. It's like, Uh. don't let anyone get between you and your relationship with God. There is no one who has a better relationship with God than you do. Yeah. And I don't even believe, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's the thing though, is like, it is, Religious fundamentalists will tell you, you know, they will go out of their way to tell you that you're wrong if you don't believe. But as a non-believer as well, I'm kind of like, you you know what? You do you. Just leave me out of it. So. But those that do believe. And that's what they couldn't do. But those that do believe are always, they're always looking for somebody who has a better connection with God than they do. You know, they're going to a pastor. They're going to a a counselor or somebody that, so, I mean, it's, I don't know. I, you know, I grew up Catholic, so there's part of that is 
appealing for me watching back now, especially now that I'm not Catholic anymore. Uh, I enjoy, and I shouldn't say enjoy. I there is a nostalgia, I guess, that goes with it in a weird way. Uh, and I didn't realize, you know, I was aware of Ed and Lorraine Warren, but I didn't really know much about them. I didn't realize people hated him as much as Sean. I still don't know if anybody hates him as much as Sean because I don't, I never hear about Ed and Lorraine Warren other than people who praise him and then Sean. I agree with Sean a hundred percent. I just don't, I feel like people are either neither here nor there or they love them. That's kind of what my experience has been outside of the podcast with them. Uh, but I don't know. I still like this movie. I just feel like the whole franchise pulls it down. I agree. I, you know, it's a funny thing. I, I, when it comes to religious movies, I, I will buy in on a religious movie like the same way I do. Uh, like in the Insidious movies, I buy in that they've created a universe in which this is real. Like, if you tell me your, your universe is a religious universe where we've established that there is a God and there is a devil, I'm in. I want to see where that's going. I like the storytelling of the the. Mm-hmm. I like the ideas behind good versus. It's just a very basic good versus evil. It's nothing. It's nothing new. It's not special. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the innocent girl at Camp Crystal Lake is no different than the the priest with the you know the superpowers. It's no difference. There's no difference there. Um, <laughs> one is not better than the other as a hero. They just have their own established universes in which they exist and the evil that they're fighting. Um, so I'm willing to buy in on a religious horror movie, and I like the idea of a of a fair fight between good and evil. That's kind of fun, and I think there there are times like we're going to talk about the nun. I think that's a movie that has a good example of that uh, coming up. Mm-hmm. And what I, doesn't have uh, anything though is Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Annabelle is uh, directed by John R. Leonetti, who is just not good at anything. Uh, he directed. Wish Upon, Butterfly Effect 2, and Mortal Kombat Annihilation are all things that he's done in his career. He's not a good director. And, uh, you know, you're stepping down pretty big when you're going from a James Wan movie to a John R. Leonetti movie. Uh, but this is also written by Gary Doberman, who's not a bad writer. We'll get more of him uh, later on in the franchise. But uh, uh, Annabelle Wallace uh, stars here as Mia. Uh, her husband, John, is played by Ward Horton, and they move into an apartment. And they've got a doll. They've got this ridiculous Annabelle doll. When you look at this doll, does anybody have a child? Do you think any child would ever? I don't care if it's the 60s, the 50s, the 40s. Who would ever want a doll that looks like this? Why? Okay. Okay. Anyone want uh, I know as the toy collector, up. as the toy collector and the <laughs> um, mid-century aficionado, mm-hmm. And they show the three dolls together. That's it's very in line with, I think, what they you know what they were going for. As now well as it would have made it, it would have made way more sense if it had just been like the real real quote unquote Annabelle, who was a Raggedy Ann doll. I had one of those. I never thought that was creepy ever. Well, it normally isn't. It's just the fact that it's possessed by a demon apparently (laughs) now i will say this if you ever if you're in davenport iowa and you want to get creeped out by a bunch of raggedy ann dolls go down to abernathy's on third and scott it's a great shop first of all they carry a lot of my stickers so shout out but their bathroom is 
covered in Raggedy Ann dolls and Raggedy Ann paraphernalia. It's mm-hmm. definitely one of the creepier Raggedy Ann things. That but, just like my grandmother's <laughs> basement, honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if you if if you're looking at like fifties dolls, okay, I can. This is you know, this mm-hmm. is, and it was a collectible item when she got it. Oh. Um, you know, like I remember, you know, he opens the box. She's like, oh, my God, where did you find it? Because it was something that was collectible from her childhood, which would have been in the 50s. Uh-huh. So I, I carry on. Carry on. We'll get to the. <laughs> I didn't. I, I saw this when it came out, but that, are the Warrens in this? I don't remember. Uh, the Warrens are introduced with the Annabelle doll in the Conjuring. Right. I know that. Where they get it and then they have it. Going forward, I don't remember if we see well, Annabelle yeah, original Annabelle. They, re- they repeat that story. Okay. They repeat this, the but beginning. are they actually there? I don't remember. That's how forgettable it is. They're I, not in the cast. I do They're find it weird. I mean, it's clearly a, a marketing strategy in a weird way to, one, you know, calling it the Conjuring Universe, but also naming it something else to keep it away from the Conjuring. So, like, yeah, here's our A plus movie, and here's our B C movies, uh, which I, which turned me off even more. <laughs> yeah, uh, when, once you saw like the 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 uh, the, the greed behind it. <laughs> yeah, anytime I can see the boardroom, you know, pitching ideas like the Gremlins two thing and Key and Peel, I <laughs> it it just makes it hard to enjoy and. No matter how much my kids and my wife might like it, I don't even know if they do. I do remember being at a just a few weeks ago. We were in Dewitt, and there was a Raggedy Ann doll, and I didn't know that that was Annabelle until my son wouldn't shut up for the entire time we were walking around the store. And then now you guys say it and confirm it. I thought he was wrong. <laughs> so no, nope, no, he was right. <clears throat> you should take him to Abernathy's. Uh, <laughs> no, no, what? Um, so the beginning of the movie where it's up until after the attack, they're attacked by the daughter who's of the neighbor who has joined a cult and her, one of her boyfriends. It's kind of, it's kind of the first 20 minutes of Annabelle. I saw this at a, an advanced screening in New York city when I lived there and I was with my friend Deanna and she screamed her ass off when that, you know, when the blood hit the wall across the way. And I was very effective and it really, I mean, they telegraphed it with talking about the Manson family and stuff and how she joined a cult and all that, but it was effective how in the sixties, you didn't lock your doors and you didn't shut your windows and people could just get in and Kind of, that's what happened. And when she says, I like your doll, that really, I mean, still is effective to me. And I heard that when I was watching, I was like, oh God, that just the fact that somebody could be in the house. Now I have, I have no room in my apartment for anybody to hide. So I'm mm-hmm. fine. But you know, when it's just that. On that idea, that whole, that whole thing in the Annabelle creation at the end. Cre- yeah, I it it's so confusing because they they do they kind of like, make these like, rules up as they go along. They do. 
Uh, this is so poorly made. There are like three different demons apparently and seemingly inside NFL <laughs> at any time of, to provide it with the powers it needs to do what it does at any different moment <laughs> that it needs them. Uh, the next one is Annabelle, Demonic Three-Way. It's so ridiculous. And it, and it makes me just hate this. But most of all, this is one of those movies where like doors are slamming at night and the the doll is moved from a chair to the floor to the here and the there and it's like give me a break there's just like when they introduce annabelle in the conjuring movie they introduce it with this like the flashback and the where they're telling ed and lorraine the story and they walked in and we found like the doll had like written in crayon on the ceiling of a room show them the fucking room then obviously you couldn't have fucking cleaned it that easily or you wouldn't you would have just taken some fucking pictures or some shit of having this fucking room that's covered in fucking red crayon no, no, we don't need to see that. It's fine. I mean, that's no big deal. <laughs> oh, they show that. They show it to us. They, show they don't it? show it to Ed Lorraine. Ed Lorraine oh. never seen that room. Oh, okay. So I thought you meant that we didn't see it. I was like, um... We saw it. We yeah, yeah. They show it to us, but they show it to us as a flashback within that movie. And it's like they didn't save any aspect of that for any actual proof. They're, Ed and Lorraine are famous for not saving anything. They see everything. Fucking Quit pretending. <laughs> they save nothing for for any actual proof. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, that was what I liked so much about the. I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but the what do you call them? Ghost jerks. They didn't really exist in the Conjuring, and here they are in full full view. Full view yeah, and it, I, I just jerks. it just sucks. <laughs> I had to call it ghost jerks because I thought they would reject ghost dicks, and I thought people would get the wrong impression. <laughs> like, right, I'm writing porn or something, so I had to go with ghost jerks. <laughs> Madonna ghost- wrote a song about that. <laughs> ghost jerks are basically just what the jerk, what what the ghosts are actually doing, as opposed to what you think they're doing. So, like, they're just bored and they're just shoving things around the room just to fuck with you because they have got nothing better to do. And that's a better explanation than the evil Annabelle doll. <laughs> just like I'm gonna sh- slam this door now. All right, I'm dropping the glass now. All right, now I'm going to knock these fucking pictures off the wall now. Didn't Why? I'm going to write on the wall so you don't get your security deposit back. <laughs> Didn't you write a script with like Finn Fawn and Kevin James in mind or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Annabelle. We're never going to get our rent back now, man. So, uh, <laughs> she turned on the water and now there's water. She ruined the floor. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah uh, why would anybody be afraid of this little fucking doll just pick it up and throw it out a window i know it'll come back but fuck it doesn't it's not gonna hurt you <laughs> nobody nobody burns this doll nobody crushes it with a sledgehammer it would survive I, both of those things it has to be it has to be god that controls annabelle or and lorraine but- <laughs> <laughs> i mean it would be one thing if like okay like in the new chucky tv series um basically they find a way to split his soul that is in the doll into like 70 some dolls so that they can do 70 seasons i guess um <laughs> but wouldn't i mean that would be a way of oh we killed annabelle we crushed her we put her in the trash compactor and then she shows up again because this demon has an affinity for that ugly fucking doll <laughs> mm-hmm. but Instead, they just have to figure, oh, we're just going to throw her in the trash. 
oops, she came back, huh? What I find more so. interesting than a character like this, like Annabelle has seemingly limitless powers to what they can do. If they like eventually, I guess Annabelle is going, does kill somebody. Like, doesn't she kill one of the other characters? Doesn't she push somebody out a window or something? I'm not sure. Yeah. Annabelle does have a body count, but like what ultimately is Annabelle attempting to achieve? What is the ultimate goal that Annabelle hopes to have? Is it to come back to life? Is it to, just to kill is it just to make people miserable what does annabelle want and how does slamming doors and writing on the walls help them achieve that goal okay so in the first um in the first conjuring movie one of the nurses says she just wanted to be alive again so i told her she could come into me for you know to see what it was like but she had to go back in the doll and she said okay and then she did and then she wanted back and all that and i'm like I thought, and I, I'm going to be honest with you, the t- I, I watched it over the last couple of days, but I kept tuning out and doing other stuff <laughs> because it's not very good. Uh, after the first 20 minutes, the movie is just horrible. Um, but I got, I was under the impression that it either wanted to kill the baby to turn the mom insane or possess the baby so that it could live a life. That's kind of that's what I kind of came away with this morning. I say I could I didn't pick up on any of that watching. It again. I just I just, just maybe I was just too not interested in paying any attention to it. I just didn't pick up on it. I don't know what Annab- I don't know what Annabelle's powers are or what Annabelle seems to want other than being you know in that doll and uh, lo- she loves the slam doors. She's her favorite thing in the world. Boom slamming doors just love that well the reason these i'll be honest with you ahead. i was just saying, i'll be honest with you that seems to be like all of the demons in the conjuring <laughs> true they just they, want to have a little bit of doors. chaos and well but they don't yeah if you think about people who actually believe they live in haunted houses and this and that you know mm-hmm. you can usually explain every situation that they they encounter uh but they believe it's a ghost or they believe it's a spirit or energy or whatever it is there's never any logic as to what it is. They just it scares them in the moment. So then they apply that to these movies, and it that's why these movies can get away with all that bullshit because people think they're really living in a haunted house. Or there's too many people that actually believe that. I know way too many. It's ridiculous. <laughs> there's a, there was a show that it, uh, shout out to uh, creator Jenny Nicholson on YouTube. She did a video on this called Paranormal Home Repairs, and there's like one side of it is this is these ghost hunters who are like going through the house, looking through the history and finding out why it's haunted. And then there's just this repairman who goes through and goes, Oh yeah, the door's hung wrong. (laughs) uh, Oh, the wiring's bad. Yeah. That's why that happened. He just goes through and just with no, with no interest whatsoever, just barely any charisma whatsoever. And just goes, Oh, well it's the, the wall is painted a little bit funny and it makes it look like it's a ghost, but it's just painting. It's fine. There's nothing wrong here. (laughs) <laughs> well, my last house is, was widely considered haunted in the area I'm from. Yeah. And I lived there for four years. The closest thing to anything even remotely scary was just an acoustic thing. With the way <laughs> it was shaped, sometimes it sounded like if you were, if like my wife called for me, it would sound like it was coming from behind me, even though she was in front of me. So mm-hmm. there was one night, like three in the morning, I'm my fat ass is eating food or making food, and all of a sudden I hear a dog. 
and I think it's, you know, and there's no dog there. Well, I have three dogs. They're just in another room, and the acoustics are so weird. And my, mm-hmm. my wife keeps retelling the story to everybody. Bob saw a ghost dog. I'm like, no. I <laughs> called for our dog because I thought it was there. It wasn't. I heard. I mean, it was just like, uh, <laughs> it's, I don't know. It, it's just so, but you just, these normal people that buy into all this stuff, and, and that's why these movies make money, and it's infuriating sometimes. It is. Uh, again, the, as, as horror movies, if you could just leave behind all the bullshit, the Conjuring movies could be considered, the first two anyway, could be considered yeah. good horror movies. If I'll, they I'll, weren't I'll, true I'll, stories and they weren't real characters, I, 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 I'm definitely blocking that part out because if I'm mm-hmm. not blocking it out, I think I'm more in line with you. But you're right. If they're just standalone horror movies or dramas or whatever, I think they're fantastic. But the fact that they're pretending to be true or loosely based on loosely true stories, <laughs> uh, I, it definitely can. I, I can see. I totally respect why you hate the or are against them because <laughs> I get it. Annabelle is a bad movie. The 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 doll is, I guess, creepy looking and kind of iconic in its creepy look, but it's not a particularly interesting character. I, you know, there's another thing that that I think about a lot when I'm watching a horror movie is when the when the bad guys' powers are well defined, it makes it more interesting. It's better when we know what their limitations are because yeah. that way your main character you're not going well. He's, this person has no chance of surviving this. <laughs> and I want them to have a chance to be able to survive. But if you give a character any power they need at any moment, which is basically what Annabelle has, the, whatever power they need in the moment, she can basically have it. Uh, then it's 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 unmatched. It's uh, it's unbalanced, and it throws off the entire. Like you're just sitting there going, "Well, why doesn't Annabelle just snap their fucking necks then? If she can slam a fucking door or push somebody out a fucking window, just snap a, snap their necks. If that's what the aim is, if the goal is to kill them." Just fucking do it then. <laughs> it's so dumb. But the what like Freddy has limitations. For a time, he can't get you while you're awake. You know, and right. until he's for the dream. That's Freddy's limitation. That's a good limitation. It makes sense. You can wake up and you're safe from Freddy. You go to sleep, you're you're potentially in danger. Well that's makes all, that's why we hated the most recent Halloween movies, is because yeah. they kept switching Michael Myers' limitations on us. Yeah. <laughs> he had super speed. He could teleport, like all that bullshit that he could do, all off camera. <laughs> that awful fucking that scene just, where he's just like he's at the front door. No, he's at the back door. Now he's at the front door again. But he's at the back door again. That's so fucking dumb. I just I love the idea of of him, just, Michael Myers, just jogging back and forth from one door to the next so he can knock on them again. Especially in his sixties, oh, right. <laughs> It's like, Jesus Christ, would you homos just go to both doors? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. That's good stuff. Uh, but yeah, we're just coming to an end on Annabelle and moving on to The Conjuring 2, which is based on the Enfield home uh, in England, uh, ba- which was a famous case. Uh, people in England did turn out for this, and there were several several different grifters who got involved to try and perpetuate uh, this particular case in which these uh, young girls fooled the nation into thinking that they were possessed. Uh, and 
again, the, the lie here is that Ed and Lorraine were involved. They were there for a day. They said, yep, this is a haunting. See ya. <laughs> they were out. <laughs> They're gone. They were back on a plane within 24 hours of meeting this family. And then they wrote a book in which they made themselves the heroes because that's what they do. Um, <laughs> but they, they, this movie pur- purports that they were there the entire time helping this family, which in this case, it was a real haunting this time. Uh, and in this particular haunting, the uh, we were going to meet for the first time, essentially, or not the first time, but like they've been hinting at Valak, but now we're going to see Valak, the nun. Uh, which is one of the best creations of this entire franchise. I think this character is phenomenal. I just hate that it's stuck in movies like this. <laughs> uh, I, so the story, so they go to England, they're going to help this family. The family uh, is being, you know, similar to the parents. They're just having the same shit happen. Their house is haunted by a demon. Uh, Valak had killed the previous guy and kept him there and kept his spirit there to haunt these people to, to hide herself, I guess, because she's hiding from Lorraine, who's seen her before and nonsense and whatnot and so on. Again, James Wan, amazing director. He's got several really great ideas. Those tracking shots are in full effect. The cinematography is on point. And uh, the performances by Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are once again you know, very charming. The the, the element of, of romance that they add and you know, the, the, it was there in the first movie, but they add to it a little bit. They deepen their you know emotional connection a little bit in this movie, which is nice. Um, I, I I did like that. If they weren't Ed and Lorraine Warren, I'd be impressed. But <laughs> you know, I'm I'm just it's like it would be like watching Ron and Nancy be be all romantic. You're like yeah, that's. They're very cute, Rod and Nancy, but you know he murdered he murdered millions of people while he was president of the United States. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be too excited about that. Uh, <laughs> the entire generation of people aren't here because of him, so I can't really invest in his romance. Um, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> they're lesser criminals than Rake. I'll give them that. Um, <laughs> small scale con men <laughs> as opposed to the greatest con men of all time. Um, but yeah, the, the, the great looking movie, good ideas here. Uh, but overall, again, not nearly as as interesting as the first film. And I think the first film benefits from having Lily Taylor. I think Lily Taylor elevates that first Conjuring movie well above what I would have expected of it. James Wan's direction is tremendous. But without that, I, I think we're lacking something. I can't even remember the name of the mom in this movie, the actress who played the mom in this movie. Uh, the young actresses are, are are good. They 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 portray their roles well enough. But this one didn't improve for me on a on a second viewing the way that the first one did. I feel better about the first one than I did before. Um, and especially, I think I, I'm also hurt by the fact that I know more about Enfield and about the about the scheme that these kids pulled off and how they pulled it off. Uh, because the, there there are numerous debunking videos on Enfield that just tells you everything that these kids did, and it is funny. It is funny to know just the number of people who who got fooled by you know two little children. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. But uh, they a lot of them only got fooled because a a group of con men entered the scene and go, "Hey, this is a great idea. We're going to join you and try and pr- and prove you correct, and then we're going to take you down and prove you're not correct and benefit from that too." <laughs> yep. For uh just for the record, it's Francis O'Connor who plays the mom. 
not a memorable performance, regardless. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, honestly, there's just not a lot in this one in this whole movie that is memorable. Yeah. Um, I had to pick and choose based on you know like work and a convention and you know our, our recording schedule what I was going to watch, and I thought that I remembered this one pretty well, but I think it's just remembering parts of it. Mm-hmm. you know like the ghost in the chair and the tv you know that's what i remember and then i was trying to remember like okay well, how does it end and i couldn't remember how it ended <laughs> that's <laughs> you, that i remember the how the first conjuring ends i remember how um you know some of them end but not i couldn't tell you for the life of me how the conjuring 2 ends oh, just they- that Essentially, that they proved that they got caught. Uh, the the little girl got caught, you know, faking one of their hauntings uh, by a by a precisely pointed camera. Uh, so Ed and Lorraine leave. Everybody's been disgraced, and then the, Lorraine has a vision of Valak, and they go back. Uh, and oh yeah, that Valak is real, and Valak hangs Patrick Wilson out of a window as he's trying to save the little girl from jumping. And Lorraine had had this vision of him being impaled on a tree, and that tree is right outside this window, and uh, she never remember Valak. Now. She defeats Valak by saying Valak's name. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you just defeated Jesus. <laughs> yes! <laughs> finally! <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, why are we doing this series again, Sean? Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, that's why. I mean, we're kind of done, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> we're up to Annabelle Creation is where we're at now. Uh, directed by David F. Sandberg, released in August of 2017. This is the creation of Annabelle, the doll of one of 100 Annabelle dolls that were created by a toy maker played by Anthony LaPaglia. His wife played by Miranda Otto. Uh, their daughter is killed in an accident. Uh, they try and bring her back. Uh, their grief sort of you know, manifests into this demon finding them and uh, wanting to go into this doll that they made. So they let the demon into the doll and the doll becomes the demon. And then 12 years down the road, instead of being a toy maker, they now run an orphanage and there are all these young girls there and a nun. And the young girls become the target of Annabelle, who's a real person, but also not. There's two demons. They're chasing one group of orphans while trying to kill another orphan who's got the doll. I like David F. Sandberg. I think he, I think he's a good director, but this movie is just so convoluted. And once again, we're just toying with the the idea of what Annabelle's powers are and what Annabelle is capable of. And I, it just it just ruins it for me every time they continuously just give Annabelle the most convenient powers to be in one place and another place at the same time. And it's just it just makes what could be a not terrible horror movie into an okay into you know into a bad horror movie. They're just not making the movie for us. <laughs> That's really what the problem is. I did not see this movie in the theater mm-hmm. because it was right after my dad died and every you know, and I was like I'd taken a lot of time off work, so I was working a lot and I didn't really care for the first one, so I was like, you know what, I'll just wait till video. And it took me about four years to actually see that. No, three years to see this. I watched it during lockdown and was like, oh, okay, whatever. And then forgot everything about it. 
because it's that's, forgettable as fuck. Yeah, I mean the the young actresses are fine. The direction is professional, but uh, again, they're just it's just too it's just too amorphous. What what uh, what Annabelle is capable of, and, and what what is and is not the lore of Annabelle, because Annabelle's a real person at the end, and apparently Annabelle. The person goes on to be the person who the the, deem, the person who goes in and kills those two people at the start of Annabelle to kick off that story, which seems like a retcon. But yeah, and a needless one at that—a needless retcon on top of everything else. The key word is needless. Yeah, <laughs> That's the entirety of this whole franchise. Well, and the thing is, it's like, because of the fact that Annabelle doesn't, you know, just seems to move and you never see her move and, you know, it's all, everything happens off camera right? and she's not like getting up and walking like Chucky. It, it's, that's not even remotely scary. It's like, oh, okay, well, there's something she does it when we're not looking. Well, how do we know it's her and not just somebody who's broken into the house and is living in our air ducts? You know what I mean? It's, it just doesn't, mm-hmm. nothing about Annabelle to me could be scary because it's just the way she looks. And you think, oh, maybe she's watching, but. But do you I think feel like they it, could pull um, it off without laughing? Like if Annabelle started walking, we'd all start <laughs> laughing. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> But at least I would be feeling something right. about the movie. Fair enough. I feel like you could do this with any object. Like, I, I feel like you could just, like, there was a movie about a killer tire years ago, like a tire that gets possessed and, like, rolls it's around. Rubber. Yeah, rubber. It's called rubber. Like, you can make anything seem like the bad guy, like a menacing bad guy that's going to kill people. Like, uh, Deathbed, the bed that eats people. Like, <laughs> they make them, you lay down at the bed and the bed eats you. <laughs> Just don't lay on the bed. Well, you, you defeated the movie. Come on. You got to lay on the bed. Like You can do that with anything. You just have to tell the story well. Uh, and they don't tell the story of Annabelle well. They tell it about as well as Deathbed tells the Deathbed story. <laughs> but they're not telling a story. They're making a profit. That's all they were trying to do. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and I would say the same about The Nun. Uh, September 7th, 2018, the next step in this franchise. But honestly, rewatching The Nun, this movie is way better than I remembered it was. Uh, the Nun uh, tells the backstory of Valak, who, of course, is killed in The Conjuring 2 and has been haunting the, the Warrens for several years. Uh, but this takes us back to like the, the, the ni- 1940s or early 1950s, and uh, a nun played by uh, Vera Farmiga's sister, uh, Taisa Farmiga. Taisa. Uh, and goes, they go to her and uh, Damien Bashir, uh, a priest, go to this, go to Romania to investigate this nunnery where a bunch of nuns have died horrifically. And uh, they, they're going to investigate that. And I, I think the design of the character of Valak is so good. It's such a great horror visual that I really, it makes me like the movie, just how good that is. And then you add in uh, Taisa Formiga, who is just so like innocent and sweet, but also like she seems to have the power to match Valak in a way that is uh, like believable and exciting. She's a great horror protagonist. 
Uh, she seems very vulnerable, but at the same time, she has an inner strength that that is expressed through acting as opposed to like the nonsense of <laughs> you know, horror movie direction. Like it's like she seems capable of surviving this as opposed to like this. Well, it's the script that says that she's capable of surviving this. And there's a, that is a, a subtle and important difference about what great actors can bring to something uh, that they make you buy in to what you're seeing as opposed to you just having to accept what you're being told. Yeah. I, I didn't love the movie when I first saw it, but I like Taisa Formiga. She was really great in American Horror Story. She was in several seasons of that. And she's just, it's, she holds her own against people like Jessica Lange and, you know, all these other great actors. And I see that in this performance. And I think that's one of the reasons, you know, I mean, I'm going to say that's one of the reasons that they picked her, not the reason being that she's Vera Farmiga's little sister. Um, But I don't think she's a Nepo baby. I think she's actually very talented. Uh, But I think that because of the fact that she looks so much like a younger Vera Farmiga, I think um, by association, her character has a little bit of like I, the entire run of the first movie and even part of the second movie, I thought maybe she was just Elaine Warren um, as a, you know, like a young Elaine Warren. Like she did this, she was a nun before she met Ed and, you know, anyway, I, I think that because Vera Farmiga is such a presence in these movies that the fact that she looks so much like her and we know that they're related. I think that, kind of imbues her with a little bit of the strength that we see in the other conjuring movies by Lorraine. So I haven't actually seen the nun now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the end of the show, everybody. Uh, no, <laughs> I do recommend it. Like I said, I think like the, the design of Valak, even in, even in the other movies where they have Valak in it, I think that design is, character design is phenomenal the the introduction via uh you know ed's painting uh and then the 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 ways that character comes back you know standing at the end of the hallway in in conjuring two that's a great visual it really is mm-hmm. uh that the whole nun costume but then the the face of of that actress is just she is so good she never said anything but she is incredible at communicating that character without saying a damn word. And I'm just so impressed. I've got to get her name in front of me. Cause it's, a, oh, uh, uh, it's a, Bonnie. Um, yeah. Bonnie Aaron. Bonnie Aaron's. She is delivering a, like a German silent film performance and just absolutely killing it uh, throughout the entire franchise. Every, every part of it that she's in. Uh, the character design is fantastic, and for me, that that didn't hit me the first time I saw The Nun, probably because I was just annoyed to be at a Conjuring movie again, but uh, <laughs> getting a little distance from that and seeing it again recently was it was very entertaining, uh, and, and it really kind of hyped me for The Nun 2, uh, which we will get to. Well, if the second one's any good, I'll watch both of them later on. <laughs> For some reason, the curse of La Llorona is considered part of the Conjuring movies, and I honestly have no idea why. I guess there's a character who is in 
Annabelle in 2014 comes back in 2019 uh, in in uh, the Curse of La Llorona for reasons that uh, are just sort of inexplicable. <laughs> but he's there, and I guess he connects the two movies. The Curse of La Llorona is unwatchable. It is just so bad. Uh, it's The Legend of the Weeping Woman. I, I think but this may be the most cynical take on this, Bob. I think this is just so they can tap South American markets, and that's really it. Probably. <laughs> that's, the whole, yeah. that's the whole reason it exists. It's like, we're not really doing well with South American markets. Can we just take one of their legends and make that part of the Conjuring well, universe? Wasn't there like three or four La Llorona movies that came out? And, there are dozens of well, La Llorona movies. That's, and, so every time they announce a movie like this or... You know, like The Nun. I was looking for that the other night on uh, streaming. And before you get to that, you get to Bad Nun, Evil Nun, the the Bad Nun. And it's all, they all are, you know, white-faced nuns that look, they all look the mm-hmm. same. And they did the same with La Llorona. La Llorona. Um, but then there was actually a Spanish one, uh, which is, I think it was just called La Llorona. Um, not the curse of, and that apparently I haven't seen it was apparently fantastic. Well, I remember one was really good because I remember we watched them all. I know I saw the curse of this one. I remember one was terrible. I remember mm-hmm. we watched one. I think you're right. It was a foreign uh, language, and I remember Sounds being familiar. really good. I, I can't tell you what it was about at the time, but I do remember on the podcast all of us loving it. Was a South American dictator and his family is being menaced by La Llorona amidst yeah. a yes amidst a coup uh, by um, by their people. They're facing down both of those things at the same yeah, time. Yeah, that was the one that was supposedly very good. I this one is not. It, yeah, <laughs> it's not good. It, it's entirely bad and a complete waste of time. Even for a franchise that is not. The best in terms of quality, this movie is really, really bad. Uh, so, also seeing, in 2019. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I remember seeing it and I was like, oh, is that the priest from Annabelle? And that's literally the only tether to it is the priest from Annabelle, uh, Tony Amendola. Oddly, well, interestingly enough, I guess they did this because they were hiring Michael Chavez to come back and do more because he comes back and directs two more movies in this franchise after that. So maybe that was, yeah. <laughs> and he, he appeals to the, uh, to the uh, outside market. So that's why he's there. I'm ki- I, I can't prove that. It's just very, very cynical and <laughs> very, very believable. <laughs> 2019 also brought us Annabelle comes home. And this movie is hysterical. It's so funny because it shines a light on something that, that should have been like flagged early on when they were making this. Why do the Warrens keep all this shit in their house in one room and then leave their child there? <laughs> There's a, our child and a stranger, uh, this babysitter, we're just going to leave him there in, in this house that's filled with fucking evil. If you, if you open that door, you know, basically you're letting all the evil out. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? You're the dumbest human being on the planet. If you buy into the premise that everything you have in that room is cursed and is the worst thing ever then why would you ever leave your child home alone there? Why would you not put that in a separate building or something? Yeah, I would say that, that room alone proves your point that it's fake. Like they, they know what they're doing. 
Well, yeah. in reality, they turned it into a museum so they could make money off of all that crap. Right. Uh, is it, you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to controversially say something. Go ahead. This is my second favorite movie in the entire franchise. I'm making fun of it, but it is honestly well-directed and well-acted. Uh, the young the young ladies who are the stars of this movie are very, very good at being scared, and there are great ideas in this movie. McKenna Grace, is she plays the daughter, and she is a fantastic actress. Uh, you know, I mean, you've literally seen her in tons and tons of stuff over the last 15 years. Um, you know, everybody in it is likable. Like Michael Cimino, who plays Bob, the one that everybody's crushing on. And it's just, it's, it's well done. It's fun. And it doesn't necessarily, you know, it's like, it's not based on a true story. I mean, none of them are truly based on a true story, but it doesn't right. purport to be. You know, it doesn't purport to be based on a true story. It's just like, what if we took these characters and did a bookend story with them and we let other characters in their life? It's like, it's like the conjuring or, or, you know, Annabelle comes home, a conjuring story. You know, it's like Rogue One is to Star Wars where it's some mm. characters that you recognize, but they don't, there's no real stakes because you know how it ends up. Yeah. So. And, and you get Madison Eisenman, who's fantastic, and Katie Sarif, who doesn't get enough credit for what she does, is kind of the, the moron who sets this whole plot in, in order. At least she has a reason. She is a character yes, who has yes. a reason to do what she does. She, her dad has, has just motivation. died, and she that going into that room, she's going into that room specifically to try and find something that might let her communicate with her father. That is a solid motivation and a good idea. Where this movie goes wrong is showing us anything in that room because it's very, very funny. <laughs> I wrote an article, and it's one of the most popular things I've ever written about five silly things that you can find in the uh, in the room there. Uh -huh. You've got a squeeze box monkey, <laughs> which is yep. the squeeze box monkey is in every one of these. Television of the future is one of my favorites. This television in this room can see 10 seconds into the future. What exactly does it do for anybody? Like, what's the curse here? It sees 10 seconds into the future. That can help you in no way whatsoever. Somebody would say, oh, you can get a lot. No, you can't buy a lottery ticket. And, and Oh, God. Somebody actually said that because I said, I said, when you wrote that article, I'm like, there you go. What the fuck? And one of my friends was like, well, you could buy the winning lottery ticket and you could watch. I'm like. Dude, you couldn't do that in 10 seconds. Oh, spooky typewriter. The spooky typewriter is actually not not the worst idea because it allows the ghost to you can communicate back and forth with, with the ghosts and maybe try and reason with them, you know, tap out a little note to them like, hey, maybe could you like leaving us alone? Maybe or what can we do to maybe satisfy your evil? I don't know. <laughs> so that's mm -hmm. not bad. Feely Mealy uh, is a real game. Uh, but this one is haunted by hands that uh, are plot convenient hands that only leap out <laughs> when somebody is trying to run away from something. That's the only time. Yeah, over there. But my favorite one, my favorite evil thing is one you'll appreciate, Bob. The evil adding machine. There's an adding <laughs> machine in the room. <laughs> what was this curse to do? Oh my God, my taxes are cursed. <laughs> oh no, none of the end of the day will balance. Ah. Oh. 
this cursed <laughs> machine. Ed and Lorraine, please take this from me. Take this evil from me. Well, it will not balance my 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 daily sheets. I sometimes think that uh, um, Excel is cursed. Would they have that in there? Do you think? <laughs> my accountant turned in the balance sheet today, and it w- was not balanced. I don't think she noticed it. <laughs> you should walk around like with one yeah, arm down, like. Just the, just your head wants to pop, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I figured it out though. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, like the, the the cast is so good. It's so sad that this like movie is so limited uh, by by the overall idea, and of course being linked to the Warrens and whatnot. It's because again, these young actresses, and I'm going to ruin it for you guys even worse because this is meant as a sort of backdoor pilot franchise. That's why this exists. Because the Warren's daughter is going to get her own movie where she becomes the new demon ghost fighter. So there you go. Ruined it for you. Oh. Anything you liked about it. Is that still <laughs> going to happen or did COVID kill that idea? I, as far as we know, there's still one for a character called the Ferryman. Another for the Crooked Man from uh, Conjuring 2. Conjuring 2. And uh, yeah, there's still yeah that, but yeah, she's apparently getting her own franchise. When are uh, they up. just gonna do the Amityville horror through the Conjuring? Like, I, don't, I don't know why they, they haven't. They kind of uh, they kind of did, uh, and there's a I don't know why they're they're not they're avoiding it. I guess because they don't want the Warrens to be seen because they don't want to expose that story because every kind of people know now just how how exposed that story was. Essentially the. The Lutzes and the DeFeo. You give people way too much together. credit, man. <laughs> <laughs> there are people that still think that things. Even real. the Warrens, even the Warrens, had to say we we don't want anything to do with that. We can't take that one. <laughs> but it's still the most popular, and people. I, I think you'd be surprised the amount of people that think it's real still. Mm-hmm. Look, yeah. that was the first horror movie I ever saw theater mm-hmm. my parents after i read the book when i was seven years old uh i was advanced they took me to see that movie and i wanted to believe it so badly mm-hmm. so yeah sean i there are people who they want to believe it so they're gonna believe it that's sure. why they think uh, that I somebody's think not going to jail have, the warrens have a harder time you have to retcon a lot more to to jam the warrens into that story I think. Yeah. Um, and and they did address it. They already kind of did it right. with the part of it in yeah. Conjuring 2. So. Uh, let's see. Speaking of The Conjuring, of course, 2021, the, the Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, Demon Possessed Waterbed movie. The worst one of all sake. of them. It's so bad. And it's <laughs> part of the A-list movies, which makes it even worse. It's a Conjuring <laughs> movie, not a spinoff. Yeah, That's so bad. And this one is not directed by James Wan. He stepped away at this point. James Wan turns it over to Michael Chavez, ironically, from uh, The Curse of La Llorona. So it makes sense that it's terrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the idea here is that they're exercising this child who is possessed by a demon. The demon jumps from the child to this guy, Arnie Johnson, who goes on to murder his landlord, uh, who is uh, a total sleazebag or is portrayed as one. We don't know. 
whether or not the landlord was actually a sleazy guy. And that's where this thing gets into a very ugly place, because Arnie Johnson is a real-life murderer who tried to tell the court, with the help of the Warrens, that the devil made him kill this landlord. And that's where this gets severely fucked up. And this movie posits a universe where a demon in a waterbed possesses a child. The child is exercised. The demon jumps to Arnie, who just happens to take that demon with him to meet his landlord and kills the landlord. As opposed to the other idea, whereas the Warrens conspire with Arnie to go, okay, please don't expose our grift and we'll back up your idea that, that this guy, that you killed him because you're possessed. <laughs> they were extorted uh, into doing this. They were extorted in the movie, by though. Johnson to defend him. That is what happened. That's the real story behind this fucking movie. Right. And that's not they what's in covered the movie. Up a murderer, but they covered up a murderer. The Warrens did. So there's your hero, folks. There's there's your Vera Farmiga, Patrick Wilson heroes covering up a fucking murder. I do think the idea of Haven't pleading, we all? pleading devil possession <laughs> is a fant- uh, a unique idea. Uh, and I'm glad it obviously didn't go through because think of the precedent that would have set. Mm-hmm. Well, look at the last exorcism, though. Or is that the exorcism mm-hmm. of Emily Rose, whichever one was the courtroom one. I think it was the exorcism. Emily exorcism Rose, of Emily Rose. Yeah, yeah I mean, Rose that was... Not that. That That's was decent. You know, that was like, it had a good cast and it had a good plot and it was done well. And this was just like, oh God, I, this was the one I just, I finished on my phone and I at work and I was like, oh shit, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Edit that part out. <laughs> um, I, I, the, I didn't, I never, ever finished this. I didn't see this in the theater. I watched it. I like somebody gave me the Blu-ray with the digital copies. So I put it on my voodoo and I was at my old job and I was sitting there and I'm like, okay, well, uh, I have a month left of my job. I'm just going to watch movies all day. And I watched that and I was like, wow, that's a movie that actually was put down on film or digital and released in theaters. Mm -hmm. Huh? That was pretty terrible. Yeah, I hated it. Then you throw in Sean on top of that with his opinions. <laughs> there was just no coming back. There's a but demon in a fucking that... waterbed. He's in a fucking waterbed. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Do you think that they'll... <laughs> Waterbeds were super hot. They were a thing that everybody had. My parents had a waterbed. My for partner year. for the company I own now still has a waterbed. My dad had one <laughs> until he died. My dad died on his waterbed. <gasps> Wait a minute. Do you think oh, no. it's possessed? Maybe. <laughs> it just craves going hunting. Just wants to get up and yeah. hunt. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a... Yeah, it's, it wants to go hunting, and it has a lecherous mind, just like my dad. <laughs> That's where I get it. You fall asleep on it, you wake up in a duck blind. <laughs> <laughs> well, whoever bought it from the DAV. <laughs> You're welcome. 
Yeah, you're welcome. I think that's where we donated it. <laughs> Fucking waterbed. Like, somebody thought that was a great idea. This will show the Warrens in a great light. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so stupid. Like, but it makes me happy because, like, it's it's the one that really, like, it, it makes it hard to defend them if you're if you're a logical thinking person. Yeah, you, know, you have nobody's to... logically thinking when they watch these movies. Only you are. <laughs> <laughs> but there, I will say this: there are people who, after they see these movies and they see based on a true story, they go back and they read the true story, and they're like, "Oh, these guys were just fucking terrible." There's some of that, but most so, of them read, go back and read it, and then they read the part they want to believe, and they're like, this really yeah. happened, and they make them believe in ghosts even more. Yeah, At least the, that's the been my experience. The confirmation bias is high in these folks. Yes. They want to believe this this nonsense. They're going to believe it no matter what, so that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy your nonsense, and <laughs> it just it sucks that this is going to be like the lasting legacy of these two of these two people Ed and Lorraine that, that, that they were hero- heroically defending a murderer um, Sean I want your next book to be an expose on the Warrens <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of passionate disdain for them but I don't have enough energy to give that much of a fuck. You didn't want to watch Donahue uh, over and over again with them on it. <laughs> oh my god, I tried to watch an interview with Ed and Lorraine and my brain just like just no, no, turn it off. No. I think I'm cursed. They're they're my curse. If I see them, <laughs> I have to turn it off. I get a headache. <laughs> my oh my god. Here's us the curse of La Lorena. <laughs> <laughs> Ed Lorena. All right, let's finish this off with the Nun Two, which is uh, the return of Valak uh, in uh, this time in France. Uh, the character played by Damien Bashir isn't here, but Thaisa Farmiga is back as Sister Irene, and she gets called upon to help because her friend Frenchie from the original movie, who was her driver and her transportation in Romania uh, and the person who saved her life at the end uh, has now been possessed by Valak. And she's, she knows this from her powers. She's learned this and she's got to save him right back do him that solid uh, and try and rescue him. She fails in the end because of course Valak doesn't die, but <laughs> this movie is very weird about that in the end. And it's really a major failure. Again, this is Michael Chavez directing this and he's not a very good director. Um, He's proven that three movies now where he just doesn't care about the details. James Wan cares about the details. And if it hadn't been the Warrens, if it hadn't been the Warrens, the detail that he brought to the direction of those first two Conjuring movies, again, he, he made really good movies. Um, but he also, in everything that James Wan does, he cares about the details, and it's what makes him a great director. Um, Michael Chavez is not a great director. He, he doesn't care about the details, and thus we get an ending where it's not really an ending <laughs> where it seems like we've vanquished Valak, but we also know that Valak isn't gone at all. And that Frenchie is going to die horribly, even after they've saved his life. So what was the point of this fucking movie? I guess it was to, the cool visuals of seeing Valak again, which there are cool Valak visuals in this. We get a lot of really cool scenes of Bonnie Aaron's looking menacing, uh, you know, especially at the end when she's like 10 feet, 12 feet, 
14 feet tall and just looking awesome, uh, like an unkillable monster. Uh, and Taisa Farmiga is really deeply invested in, in communicating this character. And I, I'm, I don't care if I've spoiled this for you. I really don't. <laughs> I, it's, it's not as good as the first one. It was never going to be as good as the first one. Um, not that Corin Hardy is that great a director, but Corin Hardy's a better director than Michael Chavez. I think Corin Hardy cared more about the details of, of the nun than Michael Chavez cares about the details of the nun, too. And they did Demon Bashir dirty. They did him dirty, man. That was fucked up. He dies off screen from like fucking some ancient disease. Like, that is so fucked, man. That sucks, dude. Bob, you didn't see this, right? Nope. He wasn't uh, going yeah, to. I, I'm not worried about spoiling uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll forget anyway. Oh, no, I just. <laughs> I was just going to see if he wanted to go next, but um, so I saw this last night. I was having a hard time hearing it because literally these like five people that came in right as the movie was starting, were sitting a couple rows behind. Everybody was screaming at them to shut the fuck up because they just were talking. I'm like, I, so I, I kind of had to tune them out after a while and I was kind of more invested in their conversation It's not so it's not a bad bad movie. It's serviceable. It's a movie that Michael Chavez can make. <laughs> well, yeah. But that's cuz he's got the cast. Um yeah. I I like Taisa Farmiga. I've established that. I like the, I like the cast in general. Um I thought the house mother, the headmistress whatever, I thought that she might have been a man like in uh, the insidious films at first. Um, but I, yeah, I really wanted more from Valak. So, you know, in the first one, all Valak really does is like Annabelle shows up, makes some scary faces and spits snakes into guys' mouths, which is kind of hot, but, um, yep. You know, I, <laughs> you get that? New King, um, unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted, I wanted Taisa Formiga to have a, a, a worthy battle, I guess. And mm-hmm. I feel like by the second movie featuring this character who doesn't speak, they should start to sp- They should have some lines that explain what they want. You I know, that was I, like, Alec wanted the eyes and, and was after the eyes and had a very specific thing about getting the this religious icon. These but I, eyes. but I, I, I guess I wanted. Yeah, I wanted, though, that, like, give me the eyes, you know, like, give us back the eyes. <laughs> like iconic, yeah, yeah. Clash of the Clash of the Titans. Give us back the eye. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. I think I she just stands there and looks scary and like Annabelle has everything done for her by someone that she's possessing. And Uh I, I just, I I think it was a cool design and everybody reacted to that in the test screenings. And when the movie came out, when conjuring two came out and I think that they were like, Oh yeah, this could be a spinoff because of how cool it is, how cool the character we've created. So, 
I just that's all I that's that's the only thing I really wanted from the movie was Valak to have a little more personal agency as opposed to working through everyone else. Why was there? Uh, a, I thought it. Why was there a goat man in this movie? <laughs> man in this movie. Why does well? Valak, that's the devil. That's the what the devil is here. Then why the fuck do we need Valak? Well, that that's part of my point is is, is lamb part Valak, of the universe. <laughs> Valak, uh, I could be. I mean, that would be don't, awesome. Don't make but, me think of better movies while I'm touching. <laughs> well, but Valak, you know, a cool design stands around, looks scary, and like you said, there were some really cool shots, like that mm-hmm. that shot from below where. Uh, Maurice is standing there and he's possessed by her, but you see her behind him. You know, the scene mm-hmm. where Maurice is walking away from the church at the beginning and you see the shadow of Valak growing yeah. smaller until you realize that it's following him. Yeah. You know, I, 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 the visuals in it are amazing. And the, you know, like the bombed out church, um, you know, just, just some really fantastic visuals. Um, but there, there are a couple things and I think it might've been a thing of editing where uh, the young girl is up in the, she goes up in the clock tower and he follows her up there and then blows it up right away. You know, I think, I feel like there was, should have been more of a cat and mouse mm-hmm. and it just seemed like it was, it was there to, put her in danger when she was in danger the whole time. So, yeah, that was, that was a bit of nonsense. The goat man is a bit of nonsense. Why the goat man is here. I don't know. Why is Valak is Valak in two places at once? Why does Valak need to kill other girls? There's no need. Valak has a purpose. Valak has a point. Valak wants the eyes. The eyes will make Valak all powerful. Focus, people. Focus on your movie. <laughs> the goat man arrives for no reason, has no purpose other than to menace the other characters away from the main story, and is just—it's really a bad idea. Just a bad idea that drags down what this movie. And it's unfortunate because you're you're taking things away from Valak, and Valak is a great character that I want to see more of, and now I don't get to see more of, and now we don't get more Tessa Formiga. She's done. There's nothing for her to do now. That character arc is over with there's nothing for her yeah well yeah i and i mean she's not the only character that you know that is kind of just shunted away you know what i mean like um i i deborah storm reed's character yeah i Mm -hmm. i don't understand she wasn't she didn't really do anything to move the story along for me. All she did was um, have the same arc as Dice of Armiga had in the first movie. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You know, like, oh, I, I, I and I, I, I guess it's like a way of shoehorning in a story of like finding your faith, but I didn't really get that. You uh, know, I, I mean, I, cynically, I know why I like Storm Reed. Don't get me wrong. That's why it, it struck me as like, why is she here? Because, Cynically, I know why. They're not giving her anything to do. Oh, I I mean, yes. They didn't resign to making another movie at the time. They couldn't get him, so they killed him off screen, and she needed a sidekick. That's why she's there. But I, you know what, though? I don't think she needed a sidekick. I think she 
she's the star of the movie. I mean, aside from Valak, you know, she is the, the lead actor in this movie. And if she showed so much strength in the first one enough to defeat Valak, mm -hmm. she should be imbued with that strength. And, you know, even the, even the Bishop told her, you could, you don't need to, you don't need anybody. You can do this yeah. by yourself. You did it before. And you never hear like a fucking Bishop say that to a nun. Right. So I was like, oh, okay, well, good for him. And then here comes Deborah. Oh, hi, I'm just going to tag along because you need some help. I don't need any help. You know, you're not necessary. You're superfluous and you're just enacting the same plot that I had in the first movie. Yeah. yeah. So this isn't, this isn't nearly as good as the original nun for sure. And uh, it's, it's just, it's not great. I don't hate it though. I don't hate it because I like, I like Taisa Formiga so much. And I wish there was more for her to do in this franchise. But obviously, we know where Valak is going. She's not, Sister Irene's not going to be there. Sister Irene uh, does not show up again in the rest of this timeline. So, and maybe they shoot her off into her own universe. Maybe I don't know. But uh, that that, that seemed to be a definitive movie. end. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, did you see the did you see the murdered off? Did you see the mid credit scene? The post credit. Yeah, they they basically retconned what they did in, in the uh, at the end of the first one. They had to go back and like, uh, you know, try and put them put the Warrens back with Maurice. Very confusing because Taisa Formiga and 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 Vera Formiga look a lot alike. So when you initially see the scene, I think it's in Conjuring Two where they're trying to exercise Maurice, uh, or no, Conjuring One. It's all the way back in Conjuring One. You see this flash, and it kind of looks like well, in the Nun, it looks like. Taisa for me. It looks like Sister Irene is there, but it's actually Lorraine who's there. And that gets yeah. very that's in the nun one. Uh not conjuring one. That's in the first nun movie. And it's very confusing. <laughs> it's very confusing because you never see Sister Irene after in any other part of the conjuring universe. Why they decided to do that is, and make it so unclear. And then this movie, Maurice doesn't die. Like they save Maurice. In this movie, mm -hmm. but he, but, and he doesn't even appear to be possessed anymore. But of course, we know that he is because he's going to be go on, go on and be exercised by the Warrens and probably die there as opposed to, you know, dying here, which is a very yeah. weird, needless retcon to this entire thing. So that's the Congress, Bob. What do you think? <laughs> I need to start exercising. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. Exercising or exorcising? <laughs> yeah, it's a good grip. Tomato. If you can get it. Tomato. <laughs> Be sure to put big spoilers in our description for this, Bob. Just <laughs> no. <laughs> That'll be the the title of the podcast <laughs> spoilers <laughs> <laughs> big spoilers big spoilers yeah um i would say yeah the, my favorite of the of the of the entire franchise is is the nun it's valak um then maybe the first two conjuring movies and then the rest yeah i think the first two are really good but 
again, you have to kind of forget that they're trying to pretend this is real. Yeah. Uh, what else are we doing on the show? <laughs> I mean, in, on the 93 podcast, we're talking about True Romance, which came out uh, 30 years ago yesterday, uh, directed by Tony Scott, written by Quentin Tarantino. And uh, yeah, I forgot who is all in this cast. I mean, just incredible. Samuel L. Jackson, Brad Pitt, uh, Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken, and Chris, Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette are the leads. But like, there's so many people in this movie. Gary Oldman committing hate crimes uh, <laughs> as a character. Uh, yeah, we had a great time. Uh, did, we did a full hour just just talking about uh, True Romance. Awesome. Have you sent that to me yet? Yes. Okay, perfect. I'll make sure to go look for it. Excellent. Uh, Jeff, have you seen it? I haven't seen it since it came out. Bob? I've, it's been a long time. And I, yeah, I, I remember liking it. Uh, but I'm sure I'd like it more with Tarantino made it. Yeah, I don't think it holds up simply because of that. You can hear the Tarantinoism of it. Uh and in you know, the rest of it is a Tony Scott movie. And so that anytime I hear Tarantino dialogue outside of a Tarantino movie, it just feels like something's wrong. Like the universe is cracked a little bit. <laughs> and somebody is and it feels very performative. Like because Tarantino in his universe is very, you know, it's Tarantino, the entire universe talks like it makes complete sense. You take that Tarantino dialogue and you put it in any other context, and it just sounds like a group of people have watched a Tarantino movie and are talking like that. Well, especially in a, like Tony Scott's like the ultimate carpenter. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Which we can explain that in a future episode. Uh, what are we at? Like an hour and a half? <laughs> we did go... <laughs> Much longer than we thought we would, yeah. Do you want to run anything through Flick Chart or do you want to go to bed? No, let's just call it. <laughs> let's right. just call it. Yeah. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week with uh, Haunting in Venice, Camp Hideout, and Cassandro, with the witness for the prosecution from 1957 as a classic, as well as 93's Age of Innocence by Martin Scorsese. All right. See you next week. Bye. See ya.